haven't been able to start our podcast because these dogs have been going for a bit. Are we good? For now. For now. For now? Because it's coming back. It's come back? What is this? Is it like a postman or something? It's a postman. They're on the other side of the street, so... Oh. Awesome. Well, we'll start the podcast like this, as I said. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I started it. (laughs) We're going to get going. So, everyone, hello. Welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining me today is Adam Vitali. What episode number are we on? 129, I believe. The lucky number. We've got the alpha dog, James Galizia, over here. God, making a joke about my dogs barking. Yes. <laughs> dogs are great. That's okay. So, yeah, uh, it's been a bit of a light week. Uh, last podcast, you and I, Adam, uh, when we hosted that one, uh, we had a lot to talk about in terms of Tokyo Game Show, a lot of news breaking um, at that point. Uh but it was also the weekend of Tokyo Game Show, so there was still some news that came out, but nothing that we can really discuss. And so uh, there is some important topics, but we'll get to that in a bit. Before we do, we'd always like to talk about the games that we've been playing. And so on that note, James, let's start with you, just in case your dogs show up and you need to meet yourself or something. Fair so, enough, fair enough. Yes. Oh. I think I heard. No. Okay. Let's quickly get into this. So uh, you picked up the Forsaken expansion for Destiny 2. Uh, I dropped the game after I beat it, uh, the original, the vanilla version. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on Forsaken. Um, I was, so I played the original um, version of Destiny 2 on PlayStation 4 with some friends a, uh, well, basically a year ago at this point. And uh, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I never played the original Destiny. So in retrospect, I was not the best person to review it for the site. Um, Forsaken, though, definitely is a step up. Um, one of the big problems people had with uh, Destiny 2 after like a few weeks is that it was fun until we got to the end game and then beat the raid. But unlike Destiny 1, there wasn't really any, any more treadmill or after the raid there was nothing else to kind of go for like destiny one had random rolls for weapons so you could find objectively better versions of the same weapon based off of the different perks they have whereas in destiny two at least year one weapons if you got a weapon the only thing that mattered was the uh, power level or as most players call it the light level Right, right, yes. That was the that was the one thing I remember most about Destiny Two. They kept changing the end game to that, so I'm curious. I, I'm I figured no one was happy <laughs> with all the changes yeah. they made. So basically, the main reason they did that is that there was a lot of complaints from people saying, "Hey, I want to play Destiny, but I don't want to have to grind every week." And unfortunately, they kind of swung the pendulum a bit too far, and so now uh, Destiny Two Forsaken has basically been just returning a lot of the grind to how it was in destiny one to better or worse um i'd say that it's a lot better overall because there's actually more for you to do in fact the biggest thing about the expansion is that um well i guess part of it is i never played the two like smaller expansions curse of osiris and warmind on ps4 even though i I had the DLC because of a friend like game sharing with me, so I could have t- um, tested it if I wanted to. Right. Um, but um, in retrospect, those weren't amazing. Curse of Osiris, 
basically doesn't need to exist. Um, Warmind is actually a decent expansion, just mostly because of uh, Escalation Protocol, which is a bit of a horde mode on Mars. Um, but Forsaken is definitely the most substantial um, new content in the game. Um, so you've got two new areas or patrol zones. So you have uh, the Tangled Shore, which is big, has a bunch, has a couple of different sections to it, has nice and large, um, and the Dreaming City. And the majority of, well, the first half of the DLC takes place in the Tangled Shore, and that's where the main story takes place, where um, it's a lot darker. Like, basically what happens is at the beginning of the DLC, and this is in the trailer, so it's not really spoiling anything, K6 dies. Um, like you were trying to, uh, hmm. you try to take control of a prison during the prison break. Things go wrong. He gets killed, and his ghost, which is what revives guardians, gets shot. So he can't be revived, and he's dead. That was dead. a source of a lot of controversy when people saw that. Yeah, um, I think it was the right move because not just that section of the story, but also some of some of what's going on with the Dream City and how it's evolving is also very dark. So one of the main, another complaint that I've seen a lot of people have with Destiny 2 is that the uh, overall tone of the game was very different from the tone of Destiny 1. It was a lot more lighthearted. It was a lot more jokey. And it felt like the stakes weren't really there, even though in the story, like, okay, there's supposed to be these big stakes. Right. So in Forsaken, first off, the first half of the story is more like, okay, you're going for revenge. Is that really like the best thing to do? And it's like, well, you're doing it anyways. <laughs> yeah. And then the second half is the uh, dreaming city, which is actually really interesting because um, upon com- um, world's first completion of the raid, the uh, dreaming city, which is by far the biggest uh, exploration zone in destiny Two, And I, I guess the EDZ is kind of bigger, but because of the, uh, some of what the Dreaming City does with the Ascendant Planes and how it evolves week by week. It's probably overall got more content in it. Yeah. Um, upon um, World's first completion of the raid, uh, the city gets taken, which if you don't play Destiny, the Taken are a group of uh, enemies which basically take the souls of uh, enemy um, enemies or people and corrupt them with the darkness, which is the um, kind of vague enemy in Destiny, and it's very—they're supposed to be the biggest threat in the universe. So the entire Dream City, which is the capital for one of the three races, is taken, and it's mm-hmm. in a three-week cycle of the curse getting worse and worse, and then resetting. So when people first discovered the dreaming city, there's only like a little bit to do. It's still pretty big and there are secrets, but then like each week they've been adding more and more to it. And it's been actually fascinating seeing just how much content this one zone has compared to like the rest of the game. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is that um, it didn't seem like at least originally that there was much to do, but now, yeah, it seems like they're really focused on making this. Um, would you say in comparison uh, to say the Tekken Keen, how it, how it compares? I, I never played Destiny 1, so I can't oh. go off of that 
but I okay. everything I've seen from people that have played both of them and just looking at like the list of content, it definitely seems like uh, Forsaken is a bigger expansion than the, the uh, Taken King was. Oh wow, that's impressive. I wonder if this will be enough to get people to change their minds. But I, uh, I believe I a lot of people's minds have been made up on this. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that. Like people that have actually given Forsaken a try have agreed that pretty much unanimous, uh, unanimously that it's the best expansion and the best that Destiny has ever been. But then there's a lot of people that are saying, okay, I'm sure it's great, but this is what the game should have been at launch. And Just I like already spent game. 100 bucks on the first two expansions in the base game, and I need to pay another 40 bucks to get what the game should have been at launch. Uh, this and, is, I'm not, yeah. and I can't even really blame them. That's the thing. It's, yeah. it, it sucks. It, it's great, but it's also like, I, I don't know how many people realistically have actually picked up the expansion because... I don't know. It feels like the community is definitely in a better space now than it was like three or four months ago, but that's not really saying much considering how much there was a decline. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, I mean, that's 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 important to know because yes, Taken King was a big turnaround, uh, a turning point for that entire franchise. Um, considering the people that made Taken King were the ones who created Destiny Two, like they're put in charge <clears throat> of this game. But then obviously, it seems like. Once again, a lot of people's minds have been made up because of how uh, Bungie sort of alienated them with the fool decisions that they made. Yeah, fool me once, shame on uh, me. Fool me, well, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, people don't yeah. want to be fooled a second time. So even if the expansion itself is great, and I've been having a great time with it, uh, like if you've never played Destiny before or you want to get back into Destiny 2 or you never played Destiny 2, definitely pick it up. There's a lot of content there. There's a lot to do. It's If you're picking it up again, one thing that the expansion comes with is if you want to get directly to the expansion content. And this was really helpful for me because I was switching platforms even if I didn't use it <laughs> until my second character. It comes with a character booster to get your character's level and power up to the end of the story progress up to the beginning of the Forsaken expansion. That's good to hear. That's good to hear so, because that's what people would want to get into for the first time, uh, especially if you just had to jump to a different platform. Like, I don't know. I remember hearing um, early on with Destiny 2 that certain platforms are way more active than others. But, you know, you want to be with your friends, too. It just makes me interested to hear, considering uh, how the opinion of Destiny 2 quickly went south um, not long after launch. Like, it I just think... means that... Uh, Bioware's work as, as their has the work cut out for them uh, with Anthem. Yeah. I definitely think, and a lot of people I remember when Forsaken first came out, and people were saying, "Oh, it saved Destiny 2. Like a lot of people were saying, "Well, when Destiny Two came out, there was a period of like two weeks where everyone said, "Oh man, it's a lot better than Destiny One was on launch." And then after that, the uh, um, public opinion of the game just fell off a cliff. Well, it's been three and a half weeks now, and the community seems to be in agreement that it's it doesn't have the same problems that the base game have, and this is a genuine improvement, unlike the initial opinions of Destiny Two at launch. Yeah, yeah, this is this is troubling because I've been wanting to get back into it. I've got a coworker who is big into Destiny as well, and she said that uh, you know she's kind of torn about whether to pick up Forsaken. As you said, it's forty bucks. 
it's quite the investment considering we're in a period where there's a lot of games coming out and whether you want to spend money there or spend it on another title that uh, can hold your attention <laughs> for yeah. dozens of hours as opposed to a game that kind of falls off a cliff like this uh, unfortunately did. Um, yeah, like this... I said, I've only played Destiny 2, the original, so... I think I've already put, and I've, I've been playing the game since not this Wednesday, but last Wednesday, and I think I've put 50 hours into it so far. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. So, <laughs> you said there's reason. a lot to do, though, so at yeah. least there's something for Destiny 2 fans to really sink their teeth into. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The only reason I picked it up was because, again, a friend of mine was like, you know what, I, I think I'm going to get it. And I said, well, wait until Black Friday so I don't have to spend 60 bucks on this. And he said, yeah, I'm picking it up now. And that's like, uh, uh, well, you're just forcing my hand then, aren't you? Peer pressure. And it, there's no, it doesn't come with like the season pass or anything like that? You have to buy it separately? Um, so here's the deal with the DLC. If you want to get Destiny 2 Forsaken and you don't have the base game, you can buy the Legendary Edition that comes with the base game Destiny 2, Curse of Osiris, Warmind, and Forsaken for 60 that's, bucks. That's right, I remember that. And if you already have Destiny uh, 2, then you need to buy the uh, two previous expansions, Warmind and Curse of Osiris, to be also uh, play Forsaken. I mean, it's not unheard of because that's ex- exactly what they do with MMOs. Uh, but you know, that is quite the investment if you want to well, check out something the same that apparently that MMOs do. Because I know both uh, Final Fantasy and uh, World of Warcraft. The way it works is that if you want to um, say play the latest expansion, all you need to do is buy the base game, like World of Warcraft, and then the latest expansion. Or I mean, with Final uh, Fantasy, you buy yeah. the starter edition, and then in my case, I bought Stormblood. Yeah, I, I I mean, with Warcraft, they also give away the expansion packs for free after the newest, uh, or maybe one or two removed, but like most of them are released for free. I just meant as far as catching up on the story, if you wanted to do yeah. something like that. But I mean, it would also be... Um, Honestly... On, 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 uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's just that Forsaken, if it's supposed to be like the way it should have been at launch, it's that, you know, if you want to jump into it, you have to spend all this money. Yeah. As far as the story goes, Curse of Osiris isn't worth playing, and it really, I half the time I forget it's even in the game. Uh, Warmind is good because of the weapons that you can get from it, and Escalation Protocol is a really fun mode, and the story itself, even if it's kind of shorter, is fun, and like like two hours, I mean, yeah, that's good. And I haven't really tried the raid layers that came with those two yet, just because not a lot of people want to touch them now that the new raid is out, but... Um, I've heard good things about them, and I'm hoping to get to them eventually, because since I'm playing Forsaken, I might as well try and get a review out once I actually get to like all the new content. So. Yeah. And the raids, I assume, will be the best part of it, just like they have been in the past of the experience. Yeah. So. Um, the last thing I want to say is um, the end game in Forsaken especially is huge. It, it's kind of st- silly, because... Um, <laughs> The uh, raid itself has a recommended power of 550, and like the final boss on it is like 570, I want to say. But your uh, progression for your power kind of falls off a cliff unless you're going for powerful gear once you hit power level 500. So, right. and there's a <laughs> lot you need to do to like um, bring it up. And I feel like most people agree that you're generally gonna maybe hit like raise 10 power levels each week using the milestones and whatnot okay and like said- after the raid there's even extra stuff like there's um 
an extra tier to the blind well, which is a, a, a horde thing that's in the Forsaken. And then there's also a new thing called a dungeon that people have found that's has a final boss in it that's le- that's power level 590. And it's like, gosh, the grind is real. Yeah. As you said, you spend 50 hours, which is a lot uh, for an expansion, considering most of those tend to be like maybe 15, 20 hours. Well, well to be fair, I didn't use the boost for my first character. So that's including oh. the base game. And I did decide to play through Curse of Osiris and Warmind just because, well, I have it. So Yeah, absolutely. Well... Aside from that, um, you've been also playing some Bastion on the on Switch, Switch, which came out a couple weeks ago, yeah. Yep. Um, you already know this, because you're the one that asked if anyone would <laughs> be able to cover it, but uh, we got a code for it, so I've been going through it. Basically ready to write the review. I haven't finished it, but I beat the game on PC, and I'm about a little more than halfway through it, so it's like, it runs fine. as like little, little bits, but nothing major. Yeah, it's Bastion on the Switch, really. Runs well that's on that's Switch. the big thing. So. Yeah, looks good, sounds good. It's Bastion. I mean, I don't know how well Bastion actually holds up nowadays. I feel like it's more um, historically significant just because of what it kind of symbolizes, kind of in the same way Limbo is, where Limbo was a great game for the time because there wasn't really indie games as a thing on modern platforms. Same thing with Bastion. But nowadays, you have so many other, like, amazing indie games that come out, like, almost every week. And then you have stuff like Hollow Knight, which is probably one of my favorite games of the last five years. You have stuff like, um, what's another good example? Uh, Inside. Inside from the makers of Limbo, which is which is better. Limbo, but better, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a great game. It's still worth playing if you've never played it before. But it's nothing that I'd say you should definitely get. It's just, if you want a history lesson, if you want to see, like one of the first really big indie games that kind of opened up that avenue for independent developers. And even though it's technically not an indie game because it was published by Warner Brothers, but eh, semantics. I mean, they're still from an independent studio. I mean, the whole concept of an indie is just evolving yeah. so much these days. But yeah, I mean, uh, chances are most people have played the game before, uh, considering it's been as cheap as like a couple dollars in the past. It's I think it might have been like, a, a humble. couple of Humble Bundles. I remember yeah. like Humble Bundle 5, which was the first Humble Bundle I ever bought is where I got it. Sounds like, and what are we at? Humble Bundle 20 or something like that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it reminds me I still need to play uh, what was, what's the rec- What's the most recent Supergiant game? Pyre. What's it called? Uh, Pyre. Pyre, yes. I, I have that. I just need to get, I probably will play that next, honestly, because uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Bastion and Transistor, and so I'd, I should get to Pyre pretty soon here. I played the demo. Uh, a while back so that'd be nice to yep. try out but yeah uh as you said you have your thoughts on both for potentially your your you post your thoughts on forsaken other than, uh, otherwise people obviously can just listen to this podcast but you also have your coverage on bastion for the switch but um you know it seems pretty straightforward about what people can expect if they uh have played bastion before it's that but it's bastion but on switch you know just like bastion on vita <laughs> you know if you want a portable version of that game it's it's probably what's going to be like so god what platforms hasn't it been on it's been on vita it's been on ps4 was it on ps3 uh yes it it was on ps3 i believe uh as a uh, maybe actually uh, it's kind of hard to say because yeah yeah. it was also on ios back in like 2011 or something yeah it's it was on mobile it's i mean it was it came out what like in 2010 or something like that so something like that yeah it's been around the block quite a bit did it ever release on the wii u 
I don't know. I probably not, honestly, because uh, at that time, I don't think they. Yeah, but the Wii U did get some surprising indie ports, like that people just don't realize. I feel like. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, it's cool to hear. Is there uh, any other games that's on the horizon that you're looking to play? By the way, because we haven't been on the podcast for a bit, so I'd like to hear what you're going. Was it I on last week, or was nope. it not? You I wasn't. Not. I was you on the week before last. Then. Yeah. Um. Games are coming out that I'm looking forward to play. Um, nothing specifically uh, in the near future. Like, obviously, I'm going to play Send 4, but nothing. I'm not going to really talk about that on the podcast because of, like, the very premise is a spoiler to Send 3, like, well, Send Okiseki or Trails of Cold Steel 3. Yeah. Um, Bumming us out. <laughs> the fact that me and Adam can't play it until it's eventually localized. Hey, I haven't played yeah. 1 or 2 yet, so take your time. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you need to get on that. Uh, it's the best time to play, considering the, the turbo mode and all that yeah. stuff. But Adam, you could a... probably hit 4K like with, at 120 frames per second on your PC, so you should take advantage of that. <laughs> Just to confirm, by the way, Bastion, for surprisingly not on ps3 or wii u so two yeah. of the only platforms it was on pretty much everything else uh around that era onwards so that's PC, mac linux i know because i played yeah. it on linux i think yeah, yeah. and then, of course ps4 and beta cross by so that's still pretty cool not 3ds also i guess that'd be kind of weird yeah the art anyway. style just wouldn't work too, too well on that low resolution definitely wouldn't all right so uh adam I see here you got to play something you mentioned before last week that uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Torn of the Golden Country, the expansion that came out earlier this month uh, for the game. Uh, you mentioned you were going to get to it, and it looks like you did. So what were your thoughts on that? First of all, have we had anyone talk about this yet on the podcast? Because Josh hasn't been on because he's been busy on the weekends. Yeah, no. I don't think we've ever. We've only talked about the fact that uh, the news regarding it. And, yeah, we haven't, uh, we haven't had any stuff. impressions on it, I think. Yeah, I don't think Brian's been on the podcast for a bit, too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you'll be the first. Well, Brian right now is playing another review game. I think he's playing Pathfinder. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, and he's doing that, uh, uh, what's the uh, DLC, Pillars of Eternity 2 DLC. Oh, he already did up. that. He didn't like it. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's 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 up. It was like there. an arena mode for pillars too. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's a dumb thing, anyway. All right, yeah. Oh, he didn't do the review, but yeah, that was no, he did. Uh, he did a review. It was just kind of like this is kind of crap. That was his review, but he did one. He wrote one. Yeah. Why am I not seeing it on? <laughs> the maybe he never site. published it. I know he wrote one. Yeah, I, actually, I proofread it. <laughs> he wrote oh, it. Oh, maybe. Anyway, was it was it this month? Anyway, let's move on. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I finished Dragon Quest Eleven last week um i mean i really liked it it's kind of interesting i've said this before but how so many rpgs especially japanese rpgs but really the whole genre are just um branching out with interesting and new kind of structures or combat systems or different styles things like that it actually kind of leaves dragon quest is almost now kind of ironically unique because it's one of the only ones that's really kind of stayed true to what it is um yeah so if you're looking for like a really just traditional I don't old school I don't I don't mean any negative connotation there but really kind of in the traditional style of Japanese RPGs that you might have had expected on like the PlayStation 1 or 2 or earlier even um Dragon Quest 11 is a really solid game all around I I I'm not going to say it like does anything super duper interesting or, or new or novel but the execution of what it does do is really well done. Um, I found it really yeah. heartwarming. I like the characters a lot. 
It's to me, it's basically. I've always said I don't like ranking games too much, but I've always been fan, a fan of Dragon Quest three, five, and eight as like oh my, hell yeah as as like my top three, and that's that, that's actually a pr- pretty common top three. I would say people like those games. <laughs> yeah, but Dragon Quest eleven is very similar to eight, obviously in its presentation and style, and it, it basically outclasses it in every way. Um, so it's kind of in my top three, if you will, it's sort of substituted for eight. It's like, okay, yeah, 11 is better in every way. Um, yeah. The, I have, I have pretty, pretty poor timing. Cause like the day after I beat it, that's when the, the orchestral music mod came out for PC players, which is supposedly really well done giving, uh, basically, uh, inserting the orchestrated music tracks into the game. And it's, it'll be a reason to replay it at some point. Um, but not right away because it's a long game. Um, yeah. So I've now been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torn of the Golden Country, which is the basically the story expansion part of the expansion pass. Um, I, I wanted to get to this because supposedly it wasn't too long. And after, you know, 100 hours of Dragon Quest Eleven, it's like, all right, this is supposedly somewhere around 20, maybe a little longer if you do extra stuff. That'll work for me. Uh, yeah. So Josh is the one who reviewed it, but like we said, he hasn't been able to be on the podcast because of timing. Podcasts are always hard to get people, everyone to be available. But Yeah. Um, so this is a prequel. Um, it basically is set 500 years before the rest of the game, and it's basically playing out scenes. First of all, you haven't played Xenoblade 2, right? I have not. Uh, James, I, have you? I know James has. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've not. It. I've not gotten to it. I will be very soon because I'm, I wrapped up some other stuff. So. Yeah. So basically, throughout the main game of Xenoblade 2, you see a bunch of flashbacks to basically the past. Of It's basically presented in the main game as Mithra's history, like Mithra being one of the characters in the game. Like, this is what happened to her in the past. And you see a bunch of snippets of it, and you hear a lot about it, and you even you see it a lot like in, in flashbacks and things. But... This expansion is basically that. It's like, all right, here's the story from start to finish of what happened in the past. Um, while Nintendo stated that like, this is standalone and a good entry point, or implied that it would be a good entry point for the series, it is not. Um, yeah. I would not <laughs> recommend it. And Josh said the same thing in his review. Don't play this first. You will be confused. Um, but it is nice. Uh, I will say I'm about halfway through it, I, I suspect. And it's nice kind of seeing these characters like in real time now rather than just sort of hearing about them. The main character is a woman named Laura, who is basically a driver of one of the one of these really powerful blades um, that you are encounter you encounter in Zeta Blade 2. And like I immediately like her way more than Rex, who is the main character of the original <laughs> game. Um, like, she seems so bland, so I'm not too shocked about yeah, that. Yeah, Rex is kind of your t- your typical, to use an anime reference, he's your Kirito. He's like this do-gooder, optimistic, believe-in-people, power-of-friendship uh, type of person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all the girls fall for him, basically, type of thing. Um, and he's just kind of, you know, he's he's almost like an insert character. You know, he doesn't have much... I mean, he has a personality, and he's not a terrible character, but he is just kind of bland. Just Laura is just not as naive, really. She's a little bit. She's more adult. Um, she has a better design, better outfit um, than than Max for sure. Uh, yeah, and it's just it's she. So she's a refreshing character. Adam, who is another character you hear about a lot in the original game, like you you really had no idea what he was like, and basically now getting to see him like interact 
and talk with all the other characters and, and all that. He's like, yeah, Adam's a cool guy. I like this guy. Um, and I would almost say I like this almost DLC cast more than the main cast. Um, wow. Mainly because I'm not really a huge fan of Rex or Pyra, but it's it's a it's an interesting little DLC. I wouldn't say it's like essential, but it's just kind of a fun little add-on. I think it's kind of the perfect sort of additional content you'd want for like an expansion pass. It kind of is just extrapolating, uh, embellishing, kind of filling out these details that were presented before, but in you know in kind of a uh, like a how do I put this? It's basically giving the full story this time. Uh, yeah. And Except for uh, Temperantia or whatever. Yeah. That's... That was supposed to be a big thing, and it's like uh, they don't even show it apparently. It's like, what? Yeah, that's another lore thing that they kind of – there's it's not really fully extrapolated. Um, so Dumb. That's but, yeah. It's... The impression I've gotten is that it's good, but Nintendo definitely hyped it up a bit too much yeah, for what it is. Yeah, it's – I mean, I, I do think it's just a, a, a neat little add-on so far. Um, it's like I said, definitely not essential. Um, it's not gonna like I don't. It's not gonna. I mean, I haven't finished it, but it, I highly doubt it's gonna answer everything that was like left open-ended. But I'm, I also don't think everything needs to be like explained to like the minute detail. Like some things, you just gotta have. You just gotta have to have some imagination. Like they're not. Yeah. Gonna, they're not gonna detail every single aspect of the world. You know, for you, you're everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I actually kind of don't like when games do that, where you kind of exhaust the world and you like literally visit every single place and get like full histories of everywhere. It's like that doesn't seem realistic. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, uh, the battle system is a little bit more dynamic because you can switch between driver and blade at will. Um, whereas in the first game, you're basically kind of controlling your driver while executing different blade attacks depending on uh, which one you have kind of equipped at the time where here you're kind of switch you swap back and forth between them and you're you're enticed to do that because when you swap between driver and blade your your abilities refresh your hp uh uh heals a little bit and you get a it's kind of a special attack in every time you switch so you're kind of it, it's basically the, the 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 correct way, if you will, to play this game is basically switch in and out very frequently because that's you're going to get the most attacks in. You're going to basically stay the most healthy when you do that. Uh, build up your build up your various meters, like your uh, your chain meters and blade driver combo meters when you do that. So it's it's not dramatically different than right. the main game, but it's enough where it's it, it's an interesting wrinkle to not be like oh I've already played this type of thing. It's like oh this is different. Uh, and interesting it's kind of cool um otherwise like structurally it plays out very similarly you're exploring these various areas one of them is a repeat area kind of just 500 years in the future or in the past um you're doing a bunch of quests unfortunately that's probably the big uh that's probably the big knock against this dlc expansion is a lot of it is filled with questing side quests and things like that um so it's if you wanted to like mainline it it, you kind of fall into this. I think there's this point coming up. I'm not there yet, where you have to do a couple of side quests to kind of fill up um, a community, which is a, a sub event in this in this DLC. Okay. And so it, it kind of is locking the main quest behind side quests in a way. So it's it's not perfectly structured like that. I would say the combat system is the better implementation of this DLC more than the uh, 
this kind of overall structure of how you progress through it. But otherwise, you know, for an add-on, it's I'm about it's yeah, about 20 hours seems about right. Uh, you know, it, I think it's a good neat, neat, neat little addition. That side quest thing kind of reminds me of a totally different game and how people were kind of upset with a similar thing with um, ReCore. Uh, how the uh, the main game, like you can play through it, and then at the very end, the final dungeon had a bunch of points where it was gated off, where you needed to use prismatic cores, which were got from doing side quests. Yeah, it's like a, so, it turned into a Metroidvania at the very last moment. That's well, it always cool. was, but it was just like it was optional until it wasn't, and I think that's kind of a similar thing. I've been kind of gauging from uh, Torna. It's one of those things. Like I was aware of it when I started like oh apparently i need to do these side quests or at least a good number of them so i've been kind of doing them as i go and that that probably will help because yeah like, it slows me down a little bit but by the time i get to the point where it's where it's whatever gated i'll hopefully have the requirements already already rather than like josh who was reviewing it he was probably just kind of doing storyline stuff mostly with maybe yeah. minimal exploration it's like oh i guess i have to do those <laughs> so it, it just it helps to know but yeah it's my opinion that any game that does that, where they require side quests at the very end, they don't let you know ahead of time. That's just bad design. Yeah. Because if any player knew that they were actually not going to be side quests, but actually like required, yeah. they'd play the game entirely differently. And it's just a brick mm-hmm. wall at the end for, I'd say, a sizable portion of the player base that is definitely unwelcome. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of problems with ReCore. That just happened to be yeah. one of them. So that's that's a bit yeah. of a shame. But that's good to hear at least that the expansion is decent enough. Um, yeah. I think my, have no my, other... my main takeaway... Whoops. My main takeaway from it is, like, I, I like... Like, the story stuff so far hasn't really introduced anything, like, any... Um, like... There hasn't been anything that was like a big missing question in the main game. I was like, I really hope this DLC answers that or else. Um, I mean, there are a couple things like Temperantia where it's basically a... This is very minor, very minor spoilers, but Temperantia is basically like a battlefield, like kind of like the, or the remains of a battlefield in um, uh, the main game. And so you're maybe wondering, well, what happened here uh, <laughs> in the past? And you don't really see that. Or at least I'm, uh, that's what it seems to be. I don't think you needed to, but it's just kind of like, oh, that that was there was an opportunity there, and they didn't take it. But my main takeaway is like I do really like the characters of Adam and Laura, um, and kind of finally getting to see them after hearing about them. Like it, they, it's it's just kind of that's that's the bonus. That's kind of the main takeaway here. So, well. Do they have any plans for other expansions to this game, or is this pretty much I think it? they basically said they're done. Like, there's no more right. There's no more past content that there hasn't released yet. This no is the last place. piece of it. And now they're <laughs> on... I think they've... I don't know if they've announced this, or it's just shown up in, um, in like, job listings or recruiting or whatever, but I guess Monolith Soft is now working on a... something that's more of, like, a medieval style, like, rather than... That's yeah. right. Yeah, I remember hearing about rather that. Rather than... That makes some sense. sense futuristic yeah. fantasy that the xenoblade is so, so yeah That's i cool. think the most recent interview with um monolith soft basically kind of hinted that oh 
we might go back to Xenoblade Chronicles X in the past or do Xenoblade 3, but there's a third option that we might do too, and it's like, okay, we we all know what that means. Yeah. It means they're going to get rehired by Bandai to do Xenosaga. Xenosaga <laughs> uh, episode 4. Oh, oh man, if they do the trilogy... <laughs> HT port of the a, DS trilogy. <laughs> and put a volume 4 in there, just like they did .hackgu, I'd be so down with that. Uh, it would be kind of depressing too, because that means that would try to fill the gap still. Which now, they weren't able. If I would now that this is more in Bandai Namco's court than anyone else, but I, I do think a Xenosaga HD trilogy would be one of the more valuable ones. Um, oh yeah. Not just oh, yeah. because that some of those games are rare, and like some of them, like the first and the third one, never released in Europe to begin with. Uh, you always you always forget about that as an American. Sometimes is that in that era there were a lot of games, a lot of good games that didn't release in Europe. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do remember actually you mentioned before that episode two was the first yeah. episode you played of Xenosaga. Yes. I forgot. But like, <laughs> so I'm not just, um, how do I put this? The third game has a lot of violence in it and it's oh, kind yeah. of gory in time. Second game too. And that, this was back in the day when a lot of those sorts of things were censored. Uh, and there are actually moments in both Xenosaga two and three where it kind of like doesn't make sense because they cut out scenes or they remove blood and it's like what are they doing obstructed uh, it yeah. yeah it's like that like i'm not i'm not a big like no censorship type whatever but those are the type of games where it's like i actually think this is detrimental <laughs> so yeah isn't nice. there a, yeah isn't there a scene in one of the xenosaga games where a guy literally just tears his head off yes. and they remove all the blood and the localization so it just yes. looks like a they, doll they, they, no, they, they replace it with like it looks like a like a, it almost looks like a like a wormhole in his neck, like magic. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Oh my yeah. gosh, I remember like in the first one, they uh, there was even talk around that time on like I don't know if it's like in magazines or in websites, but like the part when he shoves his hand inside of her chest. Yes, and they thought that looked bad, and so they moved it or something like that. I forget. Like a well, part of it was also that it was like underage issues with. Well, that there's too, also so. there's also thing there's there's a couple of moments. Um, first of all, that character is Albedo, and he's a fantastic character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great voice actor, too. English voice. Um, but uh, there's also a scene in Xenosaga 3. This is probably the biggest, um, like, the biggest glaring one where a character is holding blood in her hands, and it's a really dramatic scene. Like, she, <laughs> like she's holding blood in her hands. Yeah. Like, to, like it's basically <laughs> spilling out, but... and. The, it's removed in the, in the in the English version, so it looks like she's just staring at her hands for some reason. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it looks awful. I mean, I uh, more speaking. I mean, aside from the fact that yes, they could fix uh, those censorship scenes because I mean, if I'm not mistaken, those games were rated teen, and that's yeah. that would be very yeah. much considered teen still to this day, even with that. Um, I remember at the time, episode one was considered one of the most gorgeous looking games on the PS2. Uh, even like when Chaos does that attack where all the feathers come down, uh, that like those things, they pe- the people pointed out at the time as being gorgeous. And so just imagine that being HD, you know, mm-hmm. I think it would be very much worth it. And of course, people being able to play it. I don't know if they would make other changes to the way two uh, was. Uh, but I would still love to see something like that happen. But considering how successful .actu was, I'd be very shocked if this isn't something that CyberConnect2 is working on. Also, um, we got off on a little tangent there, but I have not yeah. played Xenoblade Chronicles Cross yet. Oh, you should. And it's like, I have it, 
on my Wii U, but I'm just kind of paranoid that like as soon as I get around to like playing it or like finishing it, they're going to announce a port or something. Like, oh, so I'm, kind of, I'm just going to hold off on it for now. I have plenty of other things to play. Honestly, um, at this point, I'm probably just going to make a backup of my disc and emulate it because yeah. Semu can actually run it pretty well. So 1080p, better loading times, probably the best way to play it. Yeah. Also, it's kind of surprising. Yeah. Someone tell, someone make a, a Batten Kaitos three. I would like that. <laughs> yeah, when they when I posted the Batten Kaitos Origins at its birthday this week, a lot of people are still like, "Oh man, just had great memories of that of that series." Batten Kaitos Origins is one of my favorite games. Like, I love that game. Yeah, it's pretty great. it's still it's probably my favorite uh, Monolith Soft game. Like overall, I, I know it's co-developed Monolith Soft Bandai Namco, but in any case, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's also kind of Surprising when you think about the fact that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has been having DLC uh, since last year when it came out. Like, this is an expansion that took a year for it to come out. Um, but since then, they were releasing all these rare blades, including Cosmos. Yeah. And who's Telos? The Telos, yeah. I've not played three, sadly. I've played one and two, oh, not man. three, um, <laughs> which is kind of a, uh, a thing that the, I do. Three is like, I, I don't hate two as much as a lot of people. Like, I do see some good in it. Uh, but three is like clearly the best one, like no questions yeah. asked. I think two, there's some bandwagoning going on. I mean, it's it's weird to think that two and three did not come out that long ago. Like it was around like late PS2 era for both of those, like so 2004, it, it 2006, I think. So we're talking yeah, like that. 2006 was the same year Final Fantasy 12 came out. Yeah, which is, you know, it was kind of weird. Around the same time they were they released the PS3. Like I think. 12 came out i think it was like in august and then a few months later that's when the ps3 came out that's why i didn't do it was great but yeah xenoblade uh ep- episode two xenosaga episode two excuse me um i it's think that weird, was more just sure. a shock yeah well also this is one of those things um like in terms of like two things they changed like character mo- model design so it's pretty yeah. jarring like unlike yeah. unlike most sequels where they literally like transplant or like when sequels oftentimes share a character, they like literally transplant the model from one from one game to the next, especially in the PS2 era. Like this yeah. one, they had like a brand new model, and it just looked totally different. Like, wait, that's Shion? That doesn't look like Shion. But also, the English voice cast, a lot of the voice actors changed, and that always or that never goes over well. Yeah, no. wasn't the thing with Xenosaga is the first game had a almost cartoony look or anime yeah. look, and then the second game had like yes. a really. Yes realistic but like uh, PS2 what's era. The term? it's like ps2 it was... era realism like yeah to... just did not look great and then Saga 3 was kind of like a Mixed. mix between yes, the two exactly and like they... people will sh- like like there's this people will show like images of like Xion, for example like her her three different models and they each look different and you know i'm not saying characters can't look different as they you know, from game to game, but it's just so different from one to the next. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. What would they thinking? That was the big problem. Is they did something so dramatically different, and that ended up killing the series. <laughs> so, not a good plan um, for Mom and the Soft. And that's you know, hopefully they can once again they can try to maybe they'll maybe they'll change the models for the remake if they <laughs> ever do it. Because um, man, yeah, that trademark for um, uh, Zarathustra, uh, which is the subtitle uh, for. Xenosaga episode three. Um, nothing's come of it just yet, but hopefully we'll get some news about that soon. Well, let's let's move on from that, uh, and I can just say on my point that the only thing, the only two games I ever played was uh, Dragalia Lost, which is a newly launched game from Nintendo and Psy Games. 
which is very good. I was kind of surprised. Uh, not, I shouldn't be, really, because Side Games made Grand Blue Fantasy, which is already, like, it's very, very popular for a reason. A lot of it has to do with the uh, the art design, the music, uh, and just how much money they're pumping into that game um, with all the, you know, famous voice acting and all that. But uh, Dragalia Lost is also a great experience it's it's kind of cool because uh, you're seeing a game that has to be built from the ground up from square one and so it's not like uh i mean they could potentially have crossovers which would be kind of funny seeing nintendo characters in this game but um you know these are all brand new character designs uh the mechanics though uh if you've ever played an action rpg on a like a mobile game that's an action rpg you're all instantly become familiar with the way this game plays like you're dragging characters around a screen tapping on enemies to swipe uh, uh, uh to attack them and swiping to dodge out of the way of their attacks so in that regard it's pretty much what you'd expect but the level of polish is pretty high uh and that's what's really made the game so much fun and also dalco's music is also incredibly infectious like it's kind of great that you're still like I, like i've got the game up right now and I'm just uh, on the on the home screen, uh, you know, where you can go to different places like uh, join on a daily quest or something like that. And there's music playing in the background, and characters are bouncing around to the tune of the music, and they're cutting to like different shots of them, like in their in their bunks or out uh, in front of a fire, and they're all like bouncing their heads side to side. And before they get into combat, the, uh, combat they're dancing to the music even then. So like they're really playing along to this, and I think that really helps the game give a lot of its get a lot of its charm. And so in that regard, I, I've just been having a great time with this game, um, and it's become like the next big one that I've I've started to get into. So I've got this installed, Game of the Fantasy installed, and I've still got um, what's the other game I've got here? Uh, uh, Azure Lane is the is the third one. And I'm having it's. It, I would I would uh, suggest people check it out because I I'm having a difficult time collecting my thoughts right now because I'm kind of distracted with something else happening off screen. But uh, that's that's something that I would recommend people checking out. Um, aside from that, this morning I woke up and I decided I was going to play through Kirby Star Allies. <laughs> so I stayed in my bed all morning past lunchtime just playing that game and it is incredibly adorable as Kirby always is and I love the fact that every time you uh, summon an ally like if you so in this game anyone who's played a Kirby game before it's like yes you can like uh, you know swallow an enemy and and gain its powers or you can create a, a buddy that will travel on with you but every time you do summon a new ally they like have like a reaction like they wave to you or they give you a hug or, or I guess they smooch you. I don't know. <laughs> like that's that also happens, and you can have up to three buddies with you the whole time. But they also include like King Dedede or Meta Knight or um, uh, or some other like popular characters. From I the always past get too. the King, or the the Kirby games. Like which when did this game come out? <laughs> the, this year. Uh, okay. It was the the Switch game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so many Kirby it, games it, released. I kind of lose track of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that that's understandable, uh, but they're all great. Like, in my opinion, um, Yoshi and Kirby are two of my favorite mascot, Nintendo mascot characters, because for me, they always deliver, and I always have a great time with their games. And so I, I was excited to get try this out, and for good reason. It just puts you in such a good mood of playing along, because it's, once again, it's super adorable. Everything's, like, I'm on a sugar high just playing this, and I can't help but have, like, a dumb smile on my face as I play through it. 
and everything is so bright and colorful. There's no like mature content. It's obviously geared towards the younger audience. And so it's it's just so great. Like I and the and the dialogue is also pretty charming as well. Like there's some chatter from characters who can actually speak, which is something you don't usually see in a Kirby game. Um yeah, just had a great time with it. Unfortunately, it's pretty short. And so one of the uh one of the people uh one of the critiques about this game is that it's pretty short. So for 60 bucks, it doesn't quite feel like it's worth that amount. So, but for what it's worth, I, I picked it up on a discount. I still had a great time with it and yeah, just just puts you in a great mood, especially on a Saturday morning. It's just the perfect game for that. So, well, I don't want to keep things going for too long on my ba- on my chatter. Uh, I, I did mention before. I'll, I'll I was thinking about Xenoblade Chronicles too, but I do remember Forza Horizon Four is out next week, so I might be playing that instead. Just, so. just know that Xenoblade Chronicles is long, especially if you want to do yeah. like both the game and the DLC. Like, yeah. <laughs> So. I've not even. I should probably continue my playthrough of Persona Five too, because I've been. I, I played a bunch of that, and I actually dropped it because I had so much else going on. So I feel kind of bad that I haven't played through that. I like just, I'm, I, I'm I at just, the. Sorry, I was just gonna say I just need like all game publishers to like. How about we all decide in 2019 or 20 just don't release any games. Let me catch up. Being really selfish here. Yeah. I thought 2018 was going to be that for me, but then it's like in the last three months of 2018, and then like the first three months of 2019, it's just going to be, gosh, too many yeah. games. Yeah. And they're going to keep announcing games or delay them, it's also, and then uh, it's going to stretch out. And you also have stuff like Valkyria Chronicles, like where four, where like a year ago, Valkyria Chronicles 4 didn't exist. Like it was announced yeah. in last November, and it released in like January in Japan. Like it was really. Like, they didn't give you a whole lot of leeway on that one. Like, oh, there's going to be a new Valkyria Chronicles game, and it's also pretty lengthy. <laughs> so, It also reminded me that Nino Kuni 2 Story DLC is supposed to be out early 2019 as well. So, Man, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, just thinking about Game of the Year chat for this year and next year, especially this year. Like, we've had three or four perfect scoring games, and that's insane that's never happened as a site before we've never had more than maybe two at most and that was last yeah. year we had two with near automata and zelda breath of the wild so this year is even more insane so still gonna argue for monster hunter even though we gave it a nine <laughs> well we'll have to get i'll wait for that chatter but yeah that's that i mean offhand i think uh dragon quest Valkyria chronicles um monster hunter Nino Kuni is maybe not. Nah. No, I, I mean, I could say right away, I don't think it. No. Yeah. I'm what are, what I other games I, are really good? I would not RPGs? call it second tier, but I would say it's probably not going to, you know, beat those games. Yeah. I would say Nino Kuni 2 is way better than maybe second. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the news of the week before we go off on another tangent. So, big first piece of news that we've got is that, so um, this week, The World Ends With You Final Remix released in Japan. And as part of that, although they didn't really mention in the blog post, Nintendo posted a interview uh, that they had with the different members of the staff. One was the director, one was the composer, and one was with the uh, the creative designer, and that was uh, Tetsuya Nomura. And in that interview, he mentioned that this is yet another uh, opportunity. He put it this way that he was going to push for uh, The World Ends With You too. Now, it's funny because this is something that, Adam, you posted to me afterwards that one of the um, at the at the bottom of our articles on the site it shares relevant articles that people might be interested in and uh 
it was once again that he uh we've got like here's it's, it's right here it's like uh Tatsuya Nomura hints at possible sequence the world ends with you and then right next to that the world ends with you director teases future developments yeah. The possible sequences at the end of the What Ends With You solo remix. Yeah. That was the mobile version of the game. So we've got like three out of the four of the related articles are all things like he's been teasing this. But, uh, you know, once again, he's pushing this initiative uh, from a game that came out originally 11 years ago. Uh, he wants to make a sequel. Um, but from people who played the Japanese release, apparently it's, it's even strong. Uh, yeah. the, the wording is even stronger about that. So uh, that would be... You mentioned before that you you don't know if you really well, want a sequel, though. Well, one thing I really appreciate about the world ends with you, it, it kind of, it's kind of like I kind of think about it in the same way I do the original Valkyria Chronicles. Only it's even more so now. Is like there is nothing like it. Like there is no other game that plays like the world ends with you. No, like it is yep. so unique in terms of it's not just its combat gameplay, but just like. It's design it's overall. Like, it's so... Yeah. Like, and... Like, there's literally nothing you can compare it to other than it's the different versions of itself so far. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yep. so I almost feel like making a sequel... Like, I, I'm kind of cautious because I almost feel like it dilutes a little bit. Um, I guess worst case scenario is you do something like Valkyrie Chronicles 2 uh or just kind of like uh <laughs> totally tarnishes yeah. uh, in a way the thing, but yeah, the thing, here's the thing um i would think if they would make a sequel i would hope it would be like a new cast overall like i don't know if i need to see like more of these characters like what do they do next and i don't know it just it's one of those things that's like i'm not really eager for a sequel like if they make one i'll probably play it and i'll probably be interested in it it's just like i don't think it needs one or like it's just such it's just it's just a such a polished game that like there's <laughs> there's not even like a gameplay front where i can say like i really hope this this mechanic is polished up in a sequel because it really it's it's a really polished game already uh so anyway i mean if you think about the perspective that this is Tetsuya Nomura, yeah. well, uh, I mean, we talk yeah. about Kingdom Hearts. Like, we thought that one and two were pretty great. And then you've got, like, a, a bunch of spinoffs and, like, Interquils and all these things that, that came out along that time. Even if he does announce a sequel, we might not see it for a number of years. And so I assume <laughs> that even then, it's like his idea of what the sequel would be will continuously change over the course of development. So who's to say like uh, if this will even get off the ground? But at the same time, uh, I am totally there with you because I also highly prefer an original game over a sequel any day of the week. And Square Enix has been good enough where like the success of other titles has helped them invest in other games and you know remasters for old games. I could look at Romancing Saga and all these other titles coming out. I, and, and Saga Scarlet Grace, like that, the fact that that exists, like I'm happy that they're being a lot better this year uh, in terms of announcing new games and and other developments as they have been in the past, where they played it extremely safe. Um, it would be cool to see a sequel, I'm, but I'm also there with you. It'd be cool to see it with a different cast, but I don't know if fans would like that. Is the thing? And I'm it reminds me of yeah. Life is Strange. Like a lot of yeah. people were upset that it didn't star Chloe and. Max. Max and it's just yeah, but I I, I totally like understand this. why they did that. You know, they felt that, that yeah. their story was done. There's nothing more to say. But people love those characters, so 
there's no way that they could have yeah. made a sequel considering how the, the yeah. original ended. But apparently the Life is Strange 2 episode 1 uh, released this week, uh, just the actually the other day, and it's been strongly received. So perhaps... I've, he- I've heard some people kind of saying it was a disappointing start, but then I, then on the other side, I've heard some people like absolutely adore it. Like, oh. Yeah, so, it's the first episode, yeah, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. As far as I... As, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I... I'm still not convinced that a final remix is even worth the effort that went into it, especially since I found out that the uh, D-pad controls for the partner that they were teasing in the first trailer back in January have been cut from the final release. (laughs) So the only um, ways you can play the game is either with the co-op, which is basically the co-op partner only has like three moves and basically like three pins and... (sighs) I don't know. And like I was kind of interested in it when it was when I thought, okay, the new content's gonna be a new week because well, at the end of Solo Remix it said a new seven days and now the new content was only one more day and you still don't even well, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but I've been keeping track of some of the uh, impressions from the Japanese version. It just I don't know. Yeah. I mean a lot of people didn't like the combat in the DS game, but I loved it, and I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, why, I can't do both at once. It's like, you probably didn't really understand the combat of the DS game. You weren't supposed to be playing as both as once. You're supposed to play a little bit as, like, one character will keep an eye on the other just to make sure they don't get hit, and then, like, pass the puck around. It's like, yeah. The, the original game, I remember, like, very clearly when I was playing it, so the the original game is set up in like it's set up to be like three weeks, um, and I remember like actually for the majority of that I actually wasn't really feeling it. Uh, it wasn't until like the end of the second week, uh, up to that point I was just kind of like it was kind of breezy. I was just kind of making my way through it and just kind of like yeah this game is kind of cool but it's I don't know it's I'm not really feeling it that much. But then that 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 boss that second main boss who's the Sokotoa guy math man um like that i kind of hit a wall there like the the kind of the routine kind of thoughtless strategy that i was using was using stopped working like whoa what, how, how do i surpass this and then that's when it kind of really forced me to like actually understand what i was doing and how to actually play the game <laughs> and yeah. then like once i started like figuring it out things started clicking gears started turning i'm like oh this is pretty cool. Uh, and then yeah. like, from there, like um, the challenge kind of ramps up from there too. And it just, that's when it like really clicked for me, um, how everything worked. And then that's also roughly around the point when like Neku like story. starts to change yeah. his characters. He's a pretty dynamic character. He's very different at the beginning of the game than he is at the end of the game. So if you haven't played it yet and Neku kind of turns you off right away, stick with it a bit because he changes a lot. Um, yeah. And the story gets way more interesting um, from that point too. Um, but yeah, like I guess for the Switch version, I, I plan on playing it uh, just with like the kind. Of, I'll play it in handheld mode, just with the with the touchscreen, like you would with the DS. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's only one screen instead of two now, so the mechanics aren't quite the same. Uh, Doesn't we'll, matter. We'll, we'll... As far as I understand it, when you played in handheld mode, the game is literally solo remix, just with extra content. Yeah, I haven't played that, so okay, <laughs> like oh, sure. Like even on the world map, the uh, 
Joy-Cons do nothing. You have to move around using the touchscreen. Yeah. I, I do remember David, old staff member David, mentioned that he was okay with Solo Remix. <laughs> like, he thought it was all right. So that's that's uh, just on a bigger screen, as you said. If you played it, make, like, on a tablet, I guess, at that point, which is probably what it kind of is. But, you know, that's... I've got a surprise you mentioned about the change of controls because remember them saying like the, that the Switch version had special uh, new control scheme, but that doesn't sound like it's the case. It's, it, uh, it has yeah, a Joy-Con yeah. like pointer thing. That's, <laughs> that doesn't it, sound yeah. good at all. That sounds like playing Splatoon with the with the motion controls. That just doesn't sound right. Splatoon with the motion controls makes sense though. I do. I do enough. know. I do know people were originally upset when the World Ends with You for Switch doesn't support the Pro Controller. Now that I understand, like I don't know yeah. how the game would work with the Pro Controller yeah. at all. Like no. you would be way less precise and slower uh, trying to control that way. So like I understand the controls, like mainly being pointing or I, a tap screen. But the still... feeling I have is that if they were going to make a sequel to World Ends, yeah, um, the World Ends with You, they should have put it on the 3DS or the Wii U. Yeah, I mean, I. I'm going to be honest here. They're probably going to make a sequel now. And I, based off of what we're getting from the Japanese version and what, what people have been finding there, I, it just doesn't seem like a very <laughs> promising premise. It really doesn't. I mean, if you look at modern Tetsuya Nomura compared to classic Tetsuya Nomura, nothing is like guaranteed anymore. I mean, like, here's the thing. Um, this is maybe a bit of a spoiler, but we don't know for sure, but it seems like Neku is also going to be a main character if a sequel happens. And I just don't get how that would work because, well, he already had his character development. He's already a better person. He, Where else is, for, where else is there for him to go after the first game? I mean, you can make the argument about Sora in Kingdom Hearts. He's had his character development. <laughs> it hasn't stopped him from starring in so many games, so I don't Still, know. I mean, well, just... Sora is dumb as bricks in the latest Kingdom Hearts game. I hope he's not He does seem kind of dumb, yeah. yeah so he's like the, the, in real life, so we'll see. Yeah, the thing with the world ends with you, and this is something I've noticed with a lot of people. People, um, people that played the world ends with you when they're in, like, early high school, late middle school, it resonated with them just because of the... Uh, the character of Neku, like yeah. how he develops, and it—that's the reason why I think a lot of people consider it a classic. And I—I'm with them. I consider it a classic, but there's no reason to have Neku in there again. I mean, do the same thing with a different character. Fine, have it for a different generation because it's been over a decade since the game originally came out. That's fine, but using the same character, like again, assuming that's what they do, it just seems like such a waste. Yeah, I mean, you can say a lot about the style and the music as well as being a big reason people love that game. But yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. But we'll have to see. I assume it's the reason it's taken so damn long to make a sequel is because Nomura doesn't even know like what how to make a sequel to this game, considering what he did before. I from everything I heard, it's that the the original uh, the sequel was in pre production years ago, uh, but it just never got off the ground. And I assume this is a big reason why. So, you know, game development's hard. And that's on them to figure it out. Not for us to speculate on what exactly is. Although I'm totally cool with speculation. Also, um, another point to bring up is with Kingdom Hearts, we we speculated on this beforehand, but with Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of being this thing that's been this, that we've been waiting for. It was announced like five years ago, but it was really people were waiting for it longer than that. Um, finally being you know a final complete product for from Nomura, it's like what's he gonna do next? 
and he's probably wondering what am I going to do next. Uh, and he's yeah. like, hey, I, I ha- like if you I have this the world ends with you thing that I could work on. Like if you give me the resources to make a sequel, I will. So he he might, he also might include these teases not just for like fans, but also just sort of like showing interest. Hey, like, Square Enix. Hey, Square Enix. Here. Look at all these people that are excited. Like, look at all these storylines about a possible sequel that people have even in the West. And so like people will buy this game if you let me make it type of thing. Uh, I, I do yeah. imagine that's, that's a factor. <laughs> I mean, I'm at this point, uh, like I'm not going to be terribly shocked if like the Final Fantasy seven remake doesn't happen because <laughs> it's, it's, it's been going on for this long and it doesn't seem like all How many apparently the original is, staff is not working is on Nero it anymore. still on that? Yeah, he is. Yeah. How many I actually times... literally forgot that was his. Yeah. His How many times has the Final Fantasy VII remake uh, like basically restarted like from scratch production? Because I, re- I remember first it was CyberConnect 2 and then... Uh, CyberConnect 2 was just attached. They weren't like the core team or whatever. Are you sure? They were but, code but, monkeys then. Yeah. That's that's pretty much. Although apparently they're no longer attached to that project at all. Yeah. Same as like apparently none of the original staff is attached to that project anymore either. Like most, like almost none of it. Uh, according to a recent interview, um, the people that originally worked on Final Fantasy VII aren't attached to Final Fantasy VII remake. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what goes with that. But that, as as Adam said, uh, it's hard to see. Uh, it's hard not to see that this is Nomura kind of. Uh, speaking out, trying to make sure that his value is still appreciated as as a developer, considering he was kicked off 15 uh, as a director. So we'll see what what happens. And I assume Kingdom Hearts 3 will probably be in sort of a weird state after that game comes out. The whole Kingdom Hearts series, I should say. But let's move on to another series. This probably won't be much. I mean, I, this, the reason we put this World Ends With You at the top is because that was our big story. The rest of this is kind of, I assume will be kind of, uh, you know, small well, chatter here. So, for one thing, and I just realized that I need to fix something regarding this news post. Uh, we're missing an image. But the Ar- Atelier Arlen series deluxe pack. Koei Tecmo is bringing that over. This is something we brought up, I believe, on a podcast before. But um, this is going to be the uh, Arlen series, which is Morona, uh, Tatori, and Meruru. was the original PS3 games that came out there. The, the first ones that came out on the PS3. The first trilogy. Uh, they are getting bundled together in a DX pack that'll be out for PS4. I feel Nintendo like we switch. Hold on, let me. Uh, the PS4, Switch, and PC. Um, but they haven't said whether these are the plus versions. Go ahead, James. They have said that they're the plus versions. The Japanese announcement said that they were the they were uh, DX versions. So. Yeah, that's that's weird because the press release didn't mention it. That's why I was kind of. <laughs> I was like, it better be because they said it's all the DLC, but they didn't specifically say plus. But that's good. I assume they would not go back on the Atelier Ramona visuals because they completely changed the character designs for, yeah. for the Plus release, um, which was also on PS3. Go figure. This is before they actually put it on the Vita. Uh, but yeah, that's great. Uh, it's a great way for people to get into this. Uh, people who don't know, it was first those three, then it was Aisha, Eskenaji, and Shally, then it was Sophie, I'm blanking here, Marie, Fierce. and the most. And, and Ferris, uh, Ferris and Marie, yeah, those are the three that came after that. And we've of course got the. Uh, the there are so many Atelier games. Yeah, but I, I, uh, the bigger thing is just that um, 
you know, this is, this is going to be a great way for people to get into the series because this was, you know, this will start with this and then you've got six more games to look forward to. I saw a lot of people reacting to the news saying that, hey, I can finally get into the Atelier series. Yeah, it's perfect. This is actually the best way to do it. And I still feel that Ramona is one of the best entries in the series. So, uh, along with Escalagi, of course. But, like, this was um, my first two games I reviewed from the series was Escalagi, which is crazy because, yes, once again, that's the second uh, in a trilogy. <laughs> kind of like we were talking before about Xenosaga Episode 2, uh, Adam, that being your first one in the series. Escalagi was also my first entry into that. Um, then I went back and played Verona Plus for review as well, and I love that game. So, um, yeah, this will be out on December 4th, as I said, include all the DLC. So this will be perfect. Uh, either of you guys going to be picking this one up at all? Yes, because maybe it'll finally get me into the Atelier series. Yeah. I have the full uh, Dusk trilogy on Vita, like including the two physical releases for Eska and Logi Plus and uh, Shally Plus, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And I've been trying to play Ayesha, but just backlog. Maybe uh, playing through Arlen first will finally get me into it. Yeah, I love that. Hopefully. What about you? What about you, Adam? Uh, I will never play the series. Oh, I thought you expressed some interest in it at no, some point. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm not like you crafting or whatever. It's just kind of like <laughs> I, I need to I need to cut something somewhere. Like I don't have time to play every game. So it's like, all right, this series. Sure. Sorry, you release games way too often. There's no way I'm ever. You're. It's basically impenetrable for me. Like, sorry. Yeah, I, I must have confused it with somebody else who said that they want series. Uh, but yeah, I, I, anyone who's looking to get into this, this is the perfect way to do so. It's going to be released. Uh, the only downside is that, uh, I mean, they'll be released separately and as a bundle, but it's a digital-only release, which is a bit of a shame because I, I would love to have it as a physical collection. Um, maybe Koei Tecmo will have a, like, a special edition come out, and I'd be right Don't there. Don't you mean uh, NIS America will have a limited edition release? Yeah. <laughs> Potentially, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's weird because I posted the uh, Atelier Rowana uh, box art for PS3, and that was with the Nice America logo before Koei Tecmo bought up Gust. Uh, it would have been a totally different situation, I guess. It wouldn't be as weird, I guess. I don't know. Any case, that's going to be out. Speaking of collections, uh, Konami, and this is something we, I, I don't know if we talked about last week, but yes, uh, um, there was a uh, rating. Uh, on the uh, Germany ratings board, I believe, and then eventually the ESRB. No, it was the Korea ratings board. Uh, Castlevania Requiem, Symphony of the Night, and Rondo of Blood. So this is going to be kind of weird, because if I'm not mistaken, the Castlevania Chronicles game, uh, which was on PSP, and eventually you could play it on your Vita, uh, this was the Symphony of the Night, Rondo of Blood. It was unlockable. Uh, this is uh, the, the two games are going to be out on the PlayStation 4. And it'll be out on October 26th for 20 bucks. Now, the reason it's only on PlayStation 4 is because apparently Sony helped out on doing this. Um, so it's going to have the uh, uh, type of enhancements you would kind of expect from this collection. It's going to have 4K or 1080p upscaling, high-resolution backgrounds, graphic rendering and smoothing, op- smoothing options, DualShock support, uh, share support, trophy support, all that stuff that you'd expect, which is kind of cool. I like the idea of playing through them again if with the trophy support because obviously you could not get that on the PSP or PS3, which is where these games also appeared on. Uh, actually, Rondo of Blood I don't think appeared on there. Um, that was originally a PC Engine game. It was on the Wii Shop, yeah. I believe, Rondo of Blood. I, I, yeah, I, 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 actually, I actually have it on my Wii U. <laughs> yeah, it's only in Japanese, which is... I thought, not... that was, I thought that was actually really cool that 
Like, you didn't yeah. have to, like, worry about region or anything. Like, hey, there's a handful of these Japanese games you can just buy. Yeah, Why it not? was it was pretty pretty fantastic. I, I love that. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm totally down with playing through both these games again. And for twenty bucks, why not? Uh, but we also uh, kind of figured that. Um, so the thing that came out uh, a while back was that. So everyone knows, of course, Prap the Rapper was remastered to and placed on the PlayStation Four last. I think it was last year. Um, but what found out was found out later was that it was just the PSP version of Prap the Rapper using an emulator. So there's a PSP emulator that runs on the PS4. And so this, uh, uh, what people have found out is that, yes, this is just that Chronicles, uh, what's it called? I keep blanking on what the full name of that damn custom game is. Chronicles X? Chronicles X, yes. It's it, it's very likely just that and run through the emulator to play on the PlayStation 4. Without the remake that actually came with it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it like you could play as Marie or something like that on, yeah. on Symphonite? Yeah. So sadly, it doesn't include that perk. Uh, which is big shame because yeah. I thought that was amazing. Um, but yeah, for twenty bucks, Sony, yeah, Sony really does like that PS4 PSP emulator because they've done it for like Patapon One and Two, Lokoroko. I'm not sure if they've done Lokoroko Two yet. I think they have that in the works. I think that actually that might already be out. That I saw. It would that be would nice mean... if they did Patapon Three because I feel like a lot of people just kind of missed it when it came out like late in the PSP's life cycle and it would work better on a console since it has that kind of multiplayer focus. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I kn- uh yeah, they actually announced Loco Roca 2 remastered last year. I think it actually did come out last year. Yeah, it it, it did come out. So um it's it also reminds me that Medieval Remastered game is also in the works. But yeah, in any case Yeah, what are um, we gonna hear about that considering like didn't we get that two um two PlayStation experiences ago or something? Yeah, and speaking of which, Sony announced that there's not no, going to be a PlayStation experience this year because even they don't Microsoft have is getting in on that fun with XO18. It's like, yeah, and that's going to be in November. Uh, so, which is, and that's in Mexico City. Uh, so that, yeah, that was also a big piece of news. Sony, uh, Microsoft, yeah, had we should their, have put um, that down there. Yeah, it's well, it's, it wasn't it wasn't anything bigger. Uh, so uh, and during Microsoft's Inside Xbox uh, event, a uh, stream that they ran, they announced that they're bringing back the Microsoft XO, the global version of that. Now it's been going on. Uh, the last one was like a number of years ago, but that was just in uh, Canada. Uh, the last proper global XO wasn't hasn't been around since like 2006, I believe, and that's when they shared games like the 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 Halo launch. Three, yeah, Halo Three, uh, Perfect Dark Zero, I believe they had. Um, what was the uh they just uh, they had a bunch of like early xbox 360 launch games that they they announced at that time so they're bringing it back and they're promising a lot of big announcements there so clearly they're trying to fill that void i don't know if maybe they got tipped off the fact that won't be a psx this year Uh, but that's a real shame considering how well nintendo's been doing this year with uh their own digital streams and microsoft as well it's weird because i had this big conversation on twitter with a couple other people about how that Sony, uh, after Nintendo had their recent direct where they announced a bunch of things, I was like, you know, Sony is so stage presentation focused. I, I, I totally feel like they could pull off their own, uh, you know, fan driven digital uh, stream like Nintendo does. And then Microsoft is picking up on quite a bit lately with their inside, inside Xbox, Xbox streams. Yeah. yeah and uh, with the fact that they aren't going to do this, it was a big disappointment because for me, I've been attending PlayStation Experience since it first uh, showed up 
when it was in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. And then they had it in San Francisco and then Anaheim since then. Um, it was great because it wasn't so much the um, the the, uh, the press conference at all. It was mostly just being able to meet a bunch of smaller developers. I know, James, of course, you've been attending them as well. but like, No, I wanted to. to. <laughs> oh, have you not? I haven't, no. Oh, uh, for some reason, I thought you did. Um, but yeah, um, where they inevitably have the PlayStation Five there. Yeah, that's 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 what people are speculating. But for me, it was mostly just being able to meet smaller developers, a lot of the PR people that we've uh, tr- uh, you know put our uh, dependent on to grow as a site. It's been great to be able to interact with them, kind of like what we do with uh, you know E3 and Gamescom and TGS. But for for me, it's just being able to hook up more with like the American side of things, and so it was great being able to interact with them and seeing these projects that grow from nothing to something like this year's release of chasm for example i've been seeing for years and years on like playstation experience and elsewhere so that's that's one of the big disappointments uh, for me and i feel like it only adds to the fact that uh sony's just outside of like game releases they've just been super disappointing for me this year like personally it's just been very disappointing I, I've only turned on my PS4 for whenever... Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Like Only when Monster Hunter World DLC comes out so I can cover it for the site. But I, otherwise, I basically haven't touched the, the damn thing for the entire year. It's, I mean, it's weird because like they their PTGS thing was okay, uh, but their E three one was not good because it was the one with the like you know the Last of Us two and uh, Sekiro uh, not Sekiro but um what was the uh, the Sucker Punch Ghost of Samurai. Tsushima. Yeah, Tsushima. Yeah. That was the one where they had like the four rooms <laughs> that they went around uh, to announce things. Well, it turned they out they were to going to do rooms. four rooms. Yeah. But they had yeah. four rooms ready, but then they quickly realized that was not a good idea. Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> it's not Despacito, but whatever that uh, from Software Games. I'm not doing well in like names. A... But, yeah, no, no, there was um, like in between, um, in between the rooms, they had like a little trailer for like one of those from software things, I think. Yeah, no, that was the VR game. But anyway, uh, my big point is that E3 was kind of disappointing. And, you know, obviously they had their PTGS thing. I assume they'll have something at Paris Games Week, but it's hard to say if they do, considering they uh, announced ahead of time that they didn't have enough announcements for PSX, um, which is exactly what they said last year, but they still had PSX, so I don't know. I know like, none of me, us here are big Xbox a... guys, except for... Uh... I am. I got an Xbox. Well, but I do think we should probably at least talk about XO18 a little bit more, because, I mean... There's, I don't know. what. what is there anything that they, they said beside the announcement? Well... There's the fact that the very first XO, which was, I think, XO3 or what, well, XO1 or whatnot, was where uh, Microsoft announced that they had acquired Rare. And I think Phil Spencer has said that they haven't finished, like, acquiring studios. So people are wondering if there's going to be a studio acquisition, like, announcement at Obsidian. People have been saying Obsidian. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not going to be. I I assume it's going to be, like, maybe Obsidian. Maybe it's, like... uh... I think there's been another talk about other studios potentially yeah. that they could acquire as well. But yeah, I think that I mean, and then the other one that people have been speculating on is the developers that did Super Lucky's Tale, which would make sense because Microsoft yeah. does need more family friendly games besides Minecraft. So. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the, what if they acquired Platinum Games? But anyway, it's it's like at this point. Um... Uh, yeah, I, just the I, I, but I don't know if there's anything else that they said about XO18. Just that there'd be yes, perhaps additional news about acquisitions and things like that. I assume it'll be a big unveiling, just like the uh, the they've always been for XO for the for the events there. Because like I said, they that's where they announced the launch lineup for the 360. 
Uh, so it, potentially it could be huge for them. Uh, I wonder if we'll officially see like more information on Scarlet, which is supposed to be the next-gen Xbox. I don't know, because I think that would kind of bury their own system uh, and when it's good, not going to be out for a while. I mean, they did announce, they kind of teased it before, but uh, if anything, they probably could announce like a digital-only Xbox One or something like that. That's probably what that they could always move to, because they tried yeah. to do that with the 360, I believe, but that kind of fell through. Um, at this point, it's it's hard to say. Maybe they'll announce like the Xbox phone, which is something that's been brought up so many times. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do. I'm well, once again, I'm not really ahead. excited for the hardware, but just the fact that well, everything they're going to show that's a new exclusive or whatnot is eventually coming to um, PC. So even if I don't really play on Xbox, it's nice because I'll still be able to play the games. Yeah. 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 But you know. Bottom line is just that Microsoft and Nintendo have had a great year. Sony yeah. needs to work on 2019. Definitely. So, Definitely. We'll see what happens. so let's wrap things up with that. Uh, as always, you can always find us on RPGSite.net. We've got reviews for... Uh, well, I've got my impressions of Dragalia Lost, of course. I've got that up on the site. But a bunch of other news that we've been we've been covering today and along with everything else that have shown up this past week. Yokai Watch 3. I wonder if anyone on the site will eventually talk about Yokai Watch as a series seriously because I think that Watch no one here. Three. It's Yokai yeah. Watch set in America. You know how it's set in America? It hamburgers, hamburgers, Hamburger. and graffiti and black people. America. Oh um, man, America. It's yeah, Japan's version of America. It's like uh, you know the Ace Attorney series. So yeah, you can find that on there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at RPG Set. You can find us on Facebook.com such RPG Site Nut. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPG site net. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. You can also find our, us on Discord. If you want to chat with the staff and all the other people that follow us and chat with us on there, you can just go to discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter individually. So where can they find you, Adam? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Where can they find you, James? At T H E S W W E E T. Great. You can find me at Zach Reese. So that's it for the September 29, 2018 edition of the TetraCast. Thank you, Adam and James, for being a part of this. Thank you all out there for listening. Catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone. <laughs>